right, here we go. Wednesday. Good morning, folks. It is October 26th. It is Wednesday. Worldwide Wednesday. We're going to get ready to run the globe. Welcome to episode number 227 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day to you and providing my expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can we do with this information, y'all? How can we operationalize it, reduce risk for our org, protect the ones that we care about, loved ones, family members? And if you're looking to break into the industry, guess what? You're going to get asked in an interview, how do you stay current? Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, sick answer. Shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Or you can look up Eric Taylor on LinkedIn. If you go to barricadecyber.com, you scroll right down. His calendar's right there. You can set up a, a no-obligation, easy-peasy, no-hassle conversation with him just to check where you're at. Also want to show some love and throw some love to the great people over at Recon InfoSec. Eric Capuano, the CTO over there. million other great people. Short Stack. If you know her on Twitter, uh, brains uh, behind a lot of the, the architecture over there. Listen, if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to have a full-fledged uh, security operations cap- capability from the ground up, or you can't build one on your own from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response, or MDR, that's the acronym, MDR, offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, the process, the technology, the whole stack needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Guys, their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, which a lot of us don't have, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC. Link in the description below, guys. If you're in that uncanny valley of needing help, but you can't get funded for more FTEs, MDR is a solid option. Go check out Recon InfoSec, link in the description below. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs like CISP or CISA, basically ISACA, ISC squared type certs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So it stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. I see all you with your hashtag team live. Looks beautiful. I love it. Guys. It's the easiest way to say what's up, and it's the easiest way to say I was here for attendance. So if you get audited, it's good to go. If you're live, love it. Thanks for being here. We're going to run the con in just a second. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. Thanks for catching the stream. I love you guys on the replay as well as in the live. But if you're on replay, you can jump to the future. But as the song would indicate, Daft Punk is demanding that we go around the world. On Wednesdays, if you're new here, before we get started, we call it Worldwide Wednesdays, and we're gonna run the gauntlet. So chime in, where are you coming at? I'm coming in from South Carolina, so representing the US up in here. Where are you at? Can we get every continent represented? We, we did it last week, all. Denver, Colorado's online. We got Western 
United States, Central PA. What's up? Going up into the Northeast region of the United States. Happy hump day. You're right, man. Louisiana's online. Love it. Jersey, dirty jurors. Chris Weaver's representing the U.S. Chris Weaver's always coming in hot from different areas. Germany's online. Welcome Europe to the party. Sydney, Australia. Ross White, Chinnery. Thank you, Ross, for bringing Australia online. We need, oh, Mexico, Central America's here. South Florida. Dude, love it, love it, love it. Canada. So we got strong North America. We've got Australia. Anybody from Africa, Asia, Australia's in the house. We've got multiple representatives from Australia. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Hotland is in here. Blue team. What's up, BSEC? You represent the great country of Texas. Georgia, but moving to South Carolina. Welcome. Welcome to the uh, Palmetto State, Lacey. It's a good time in here. Upper Peninsula. I love it. Guys, we got South America online. Dominican Republic, Leonardo is bringing it correct. UK in the house. So we've got strong European presence. Can we get India in the house? Can we get Brazil? Anybody? Come on. Manchester's up in here. I love it. Is that Manchester Vegas, also Tibet, or Manchester up in um, Europe? Greetings from Brazil. Do, do, do. Dennis, now, thank you for bringing South America online. We've got South America, North America. David Meese is in here from the great state of Kentucky. Love that bluegrass state, right? Brazil's in here. Guys, we need Asia and Africa. Where we at, Asia? Where we at, Africa? We've got one minute left on the clock. 59 seconds left on the clock. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Where you at, Africa? Where you at, Asia? Come on now. It's middle of the day over there. You guys, you don't need the coffee. You already had your coffee. South Florida's up in here. Love it, love it, love it. Come on, come on, Africa, Brazil. We always get, we have Nigeria, we've had Cameroon, we've had uh, Egypt in the house. We're pushing on 90 people right now. Strong showing. 30 seconds. Oh no, I don't think we're going to get it. This might be the worst Worldwide Wednesday performance to date, missing two different continents. Yeah, William Ayers wants to contact the Antarctic survey team. Guys, fun fact, I've been to Antarctica multiple times, and uh, I could get some people there. Middle East in the house. All right, all right. All right. So, guys, looks like we didn't do it. Asia, Cameroon. Okay, you know what? I'll give Cameroon. So, Asia, the largest continent, as far as I know, unable to come online for Worldwide Wednesdays. That's all right. We'll do it next. We'll do it next Wednesday, y'all. Uh, like we do it every Wednesday. Good luck. Uh, good job to everybody who chimed in. Thank you. It's love to see you guys. Let's ch sit back, relax, and get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. C-Tickets <laughs> discloses two-and-a-half-year-long credit card breach. Ticketing service provider C-Tickets has notified an undisclosed number of customers that cybercriminals might have accessed their payment card details using a skimmer on its website. C-Tickets engaged forensic experts as well as Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover to investigate the incident, which revealed that the infection occurred back on June 25, 2019. However, C-Tickets didn't fully remove the malicious code from its site until January 8th of this year, leaving customers exposed for two and a half years. Unfortunately, the company chose not to offer free credit monitoring services to affected customers. Fashy! 
U.S. charges Chinese agents in Huawei obstruction case on Monday. The U.S. DO. Hold on, I'm sorry, my soundboard is like uh, messing up here. Hold on one second. Was exposed for two and a half years. Unfortunately, the company chose not to offer free credit monitoring services to affected customers. You okay? So here we are. We're back. My my sound system audio hashtag audio uh, is corrected. Okay, so guys, um, you know a couple couple things here. One, uh, you know this is a online company that takes credit card, and they're calling out that you can have skimmers. Now we see skimmers or credit card skimmers, things that basically sniff or steal the credit card information. So the number, the pin, possibly that CVV code on the back end. Um, we normally see them like physical devices at gas stations and ATMs and stuff like that, but there can be skimmers in JavaScript. And if your website isn't written right or the uh, permissions aren't right, what, whatever, there's multiple ways to take over uh, a web server. You can use JavaScript to basically do the same thing that the website would be doing. Take that information and do something with it. In this case, probably package it up uh, and either store it until you get enough and then send it to the bad guys or in real time, just send it to the bad guys. Okay. A couple of things here. One, I find it hard to believe that this breach was in place for two and a half years. I don't know about you guys, but like for me in the United States, the credit card companies have become like unbelievably good at detecting fraud. Like, like I'll, I'll be, I went to the mountains last weekend and, and bought random crap at random places, no fraud. And then there'll be like a Groupon purchase for, you know, $75 and they're like, nope, fraud. And it's absolutely fraud. So the credit card companies today to me have gotten wicked good at uh, detecting fraud. So for a ticket venue place to have a skimmer, um, every time you pull that, the credit card companies, there's only a few credit card companies, if they're seeing fraudulent purchases, I feel like they would correlate like, okay, do any of these credit card accounts have a common vendor that they purchase from you know, in common. And like the C tickets one should have bubbled up to the top. So I don't know if these guys were just sitting on credit cards and not really using them. So it wasn't detecting it or if the credit card companies were just missing this one. The second thing that's really interesting is that this company decided not to offer data, uh, um, customer, uh, identity theft protection, even though their full name, physical address and credit card info was taken, which is this is a pretty big PCI um, issue. You know, at this point, I, I, I'm not upset. I, I don't really want another identity protection. I've got several running concurrently. So, you know, okay. And I might add that they probably can't afford it. If I had to guess, they can't afford it or their insurance policy, if they had one, didn't cover this. Um, so they're in kind of a, 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 bum, a bum situation. The final thing I'll say on this one is PCI, payment card industry, PCI um, compliance. Guys, we talk about compliance in the InfoSec space and you know different standards you gotta comply with. PCI is supposed to be one that has real teeth. Like it's, it's, it's not government regulated. It's from the payment card industry themselves. They banded together, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, Diners Club. <laughs> They banded together and said, listen, if you don't do this minimum security, you can't take credit cards. Stay in business by all means. Keep crushing it, but you can't take credit cards. And in this day and age, um, you're just not going to work as an online business if you can't accept credit cards like Venmo and, and Zelle and these, these things are coming online, PayPal. But let's be real. Most transactions are done with credit cards. So that's a pretty heavy um, stick to swing for the PCI um, 
compliance people, these guys clearly were violating PCI. I'd have to go and look at the standard to see if there's something around JavaScript, but I have to imagine the fact that there is an ability to steal credit card information would somehow violate PCI at some point along the way. So wh why am I telling you this? Well, one, it's good to know about PCI, but two, it it'll be interesting to see if these guys get slapped on the on the wrist and say, hey, you can't take credit cards anymore, which would ultimately, I'd have to manage... I mean, I'd have to imagine would destroy this company uh, entirely, like go out of business. Or if PCI is like, ah, you know what? It only took two and a half years to find it. You guys are okay. Go on, go on. You're making us a lot of money. Keep going. You know what I mean? So you always got to follow the money, guys. But PCI is supposed to be the standard that's in intended really to protect the credit card companies from getting um, the credit cards stolen and, you know, ultimately to protect us, but really for the credit card companies to reduce fraud. So we'll see. I've always kind of wondered how strong PCI really was, or if it was just like a boogeyman. U.S. charges Chinese agents in Huawei obstruction case. On Monday, the U.S. DOJ announced it has brought charges against two Chinese intelligence officers who allegedly attempted to steal information linked to the federal prosecution of Huawei. The Chinese agents paid $41,000 in Bitcoin to an agent working at the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York in exchange for internal documentation. The Chinese agents thought the individual had been recruited by Beijing. However, it was actually a double agent who provided a fake document marked secret. The two Chinese suspects could face a combined 60-year jail term in the unlikely event that they are caught. Nice. Way to go, United States. <laughs> the old double agent move the old double agent move i will say um okay so it's cool you know cloak and dagger uh mission impossible type stuff um two intelligence officers are basically going to be arrested because they were going to sell what they thought were secrets um and it involves you know i guess this huawei case they say huawei wasn't named but a lot of people are claiming it was huawei um Dude, Huawei is in a lot of places and it's making a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how it relates to China. I know it's a Chinese company. I know that China, you know, as a government gets pretty heavy up in the more successful companies' businesses as far as like on the board. And, you know, I, I don't know if they make them pay like a, um, some type of like revenue share to the government or whatever. But Huawei is a big, big revenue generating uh, business. Uh, so obviously if there's, uh, you know, cases against it and stuff like that, Beijing would be interested in knowing more about this. Um, but this guy passed a fake document for $41,000 in Bitcoin to the agents. Uh, they, they thought it was legit. You know, I guess in the world of like spies, you know, anonymity is part of the game. So like when you're meeting someone, you have to assume that the Intel is good, that they are, you know, on your side, if you will or not a double agent. So anyways, hopefully this sends some shockwaves through the, um, I guess the espionage underground uh, to, to you know, kind of question who your sources are and who you're aligning with. So I don't know, not much on this story for me. Hive begins leaking Tata Power's data. Earlier this month, Hive Ransomware Group claimed responsibility for a cyber attack on India's largest power company, Tata Power. On Tuesday, Hive operators began posting data they claim to have stolen from Tata Power, which signals that their ransom negotiations have failed. 
Stolen data appears to include company employees' PII, national ID card numbers, tax account numbers, and salary information, along with other info such as engineering drawings, financial and banking records, and client information. POS. So we heard about this story a couple days ago. Uh, Hive, I mean, excuse me, Tata Power, the big one out of India, suffered an incident. I think when we covered it in the daily briefing, it didn't say it was ransomware. It was just like, you know, like everybody, every other business that deals with this crap. Oh, it's un, you know, undetermined cyber incident. Like we're having technical issues. Like things are okay, but we're operating at like, you know, a deficiency. And then like a week later, it's ransomware. It's like, it's like always ransomware. In fact, like you have to assume it's ransomware, but the PR game guys, you got to, you should be practicing tabletop exercises and bringing PR or legal or the executives in, or all three of those parties in to talk about like, how do you, how do you, you have to communicate to your customers that you guys are screwed, but you don't want to say ransomware. There's certain there's certain things that like, if you say a certain word, like if you say incident, um, things kick off as far as like time, like four hours to report. You have 72 hours to report. You have six days to report. The report clock starts when you say the word incident, like when it's been classified as an incident. So it's just kind of interesting. But Hive is one of these big ticket uh, ransomware threat actors. And they, they do the double extortion kind of thing where... They seal your data, and if you don't buy it back from them, they start leaking it uh, to kind of embarrass you, cause damage to you, and to make good on their threat that they are going to leak it. Uh, we saw Hive attack Costa Rica government um, back in twenty late early twenty twenty two. So they get they go you know big big game hunting, if you will. Um, I forget who Hive actually. I feel like Hive is a gro- an offshoot of Revil, maybe. Um, who Hive? Like, I feel like Hive came from someone. Um, is it? Sorry, I'm doing this on the fly here. Yeah, they do the double extortion threat. Um, I really feel like they came from someone. Has anyone got any thoughts on this? I feel like they came from Revil or something. Like Revil got busted up. And then all of a sudden, boom, like on the scene came Hive. Uh, So anyways, you know, if Hive gets you and they say they're going to Black Cat Alf, thank you, Joel Belton. Yeah, Black Cat Alf, which which actually came from Black Matter, which actually came from Dark Side, which actually was the original, right? If if I'm not mistaken. So Hive's a big player in the game. I say this every time with ransomware guys. You shouldn't be trying to like be look at this and be like, "Holy crap, we're a power company too. Let's protect from Hive." Like you should have foundational protections and foundational um, recovery infosec controls in place to deal with ransomware in general, right? Once you get the once you get the foundation laid, right? Then you could put up a wall that has a fancy stained glass window and stuff. But just like just throwing up a stained glass window on a on a heap of dirt that's not a good, not a good look. That's not going to work. You've got to get a solid foundation so you can at least have resiliency when you get punched in the mouth by a ransomware threat actor or really any uh, cyber threat actor. Malware used to steal more than 160,000 credit card numbers. Cyber criminals used two strains of point-of-sale malware to steal the details of more than 167,000 credit cards from payment terminals. 
The thieves may be able to sell the card info for roughly $3.3 million on underground forums. Nearly all of the victims are American with credit cards issued by U.S. banks. Law enforcement have yet to attribute the malware to a particular crime group. To help thwart POS malware infections, companies should enforce strict password policies, keep software up to date, and use network defense products and whitelisting to keep intruders out. All right, before we get into that sound effect, um, just first of all, I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading this article. Okay, so I guess it's like credit card theft day here at Simply Cyber. They're talking about these two uh, malware strains, Magic POS and Treasure Hunter. Um, okay, so first of all, I just want to, I do want to keep myself calm. If you are looking at the feed, if you're watching the stream, not listening on your audio podcast, podcast of a choice, the subtitle of this story is, with shops leaving VNC and RDP open, quell surprise. I am trying my hardest to read through this article and see if this is just clickbait designed to have me lose my mind or if this is legitimately how they're installing these malware strains. Because if you leave RDP open, I am going to lose my mind. So give me a second. I am out of, I'm, I, I, what are we doing? What are we doing in 2022? Why are people who don't know? Okay, hold on. To infect the store of Magic POS, miscreants, which by the way, love how they use that in the register, usually start with scanning networks for open and poorly secured VNC and RDP, RDP services, and then brute force their way in or buy access creds for the system. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give them, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt that that doesn't say scanning external networks. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they compromise somebody some way, and then they're on the internal network, and then they start looking for Z VNC and RDP. If it is external facing, at least the RDP isn't just open, and they have to either brute force attempt or buy creds off the underground market, which is fine. So it's not VNC and RDP with no auth to the internet, but still, guys. Okay, here's the TLDR. Yeah, we've already I've I've already talked ad nauseum about credit cards and PCI and all this other stuff. So let's talk let's talk about technical, right? Nothing to do with credit cards, just threat actors getting in your environment. Guys, do, there's better options. Like 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 VNC and RDP to the internet is not an option, okay? So when I say there's better options, these shouldn't even count as options, okay? What's our, um Recon InfoSec just released a blog article like two weeks ago, written by Shortstack, right? Whitney, on how you should be doing remote access into your environments in 2022 in a secure architected way. That would be the best way, okay? Just, just, just run-of-the-mill approach, set up VPN. And if you don't know what you're doing with VPNs and all these other things, then... I, <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be doing remote access, right? Or maybe you should just, you know, invest in having it done properly. Like too, too often I see these like short-sighted, penny-wise, pound-foolish decisions where you're like, well, we need to be able to access it remotely. Well, it's going to cost to do that correctly. Well, what's it cost? To, why don't we just set up remote access like TeamView or something? Let's just do that. Uh, okay. I mean, you can. But but you're taking on risk. The, the problem is that decision makers don't get slapped in the face 
the second they make bad decisions, right? And I mean this proverbially, I don't mean you like walk up and slap them, but like proverbially speaking, the risk isn't really felt. The impact isn't experienced until some 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 way down the road. And then when it is, it's gross and it sucks. And then you have to deal with it. And then there's all this fallout of like, why did this happen to us? How could, how could you have allowed this to happen to us? And it's like, dude, like all these decisions you made six months ago, they compounded into this event. This is not on me. I have been advising against that. Anyways, long story short, VNC, RDP, if, if it's external facing, you should stop the stream right now and go fix that. Like that is not what we're doing here, okay? And then if you run it internal to your network, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you more leeway because it is good option for remote administration of internal assets from IT. But what you should do is have, um, you could use a remote access user group with uh, tightly controlled creds, not give everybody an IT domain admin, right? You know, I don't know, just just crazy thoughts out here. Just crazy thoughts out here. Oh my God, Leonardo doing a quick scan, 2200 VNC without auth on the Shodan Worldwide. So, uh, you know, I guess get in line, guys. Get in line. It's it's like everybody's, you know, the, the, the metaphor I'm thinking of is totally not suitable for work. So I'm just going to move on to the next story. But, oh my God. And now I'd like to thank this week's episode sponsor, Votero. UFOs are everywhere. They're in your applications, cloud storage, endpoints, and emails. That's right, UFOs, unidentified file objects, are hiding in files across your organization. UFOs can contain malware that exfiltrates data or deploys ransomware. And 70% of UFOs can't be detected by traditional scanning solutions like antivirus and sandboxing. That's where Votero comes in. Votero prevents UFOs before they hitch a ride on files without detection and without slowing down business. Do you believe? Learn more at votero.com slash UFOs. That's V-O-T-I-R-O dot com slash UFOs. VMware. Uh, all right. So uh, it's the mid-roll. I want to say thank you. Oh, Jeremy Williams saying thank you to me. Thank you, Jeremy Williams, for the cup of coffee. I'll take a slug off it right now. Guys, I do want to say thank you to um, many, many different groups, including all of you in chat. Love having you guys here. Um, I have pulled up Whitney Champion's Remote Access Done Right blog post. This is the blog post I referred to. This is how you should do it. Plus, she's got memes what? in here, which is we awesome. Become best friends. Yep. So good. So I dropped the link in chat, guys. If you um, if if you can't access YouTube chat or you don't see it or whatever, um, all you have to do is go to like if you just Google blog recon infosec remote access hit enter, it it it'll be like it's under blog recon infosec. And even if you just get to the blog, it's the second blog post. Okay, right here, October fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Check it out, you'll love it. All right, guys. Um, thank you to recon infosec. Thank you to Black Hills Information Security, the shirt I'm wearing today. Um, and thank you to. Oh my gosh, Barricade Cyber Solutions, Red Siege, um, so many different great businesses, ThreatGen in our industry that are delivering value and, and, and excellence to um, just commu the, our community, our practitioner community. If you don't know about the newsletter, guys, every single Monday, I send out an email at 6 a.m. 
I write it on Friday, but it, it, it sends out 6 a.m. The reason me and I want it to be at the top of your inbox when you get to work on Monday morning, and it contains three professional actionable tasks, meaning something you can do at work that day for three different audiences, your end users, your executives, and typically your peers like IT or InfoSec folks on how you can do something to reduce cyber risk, right? Educating the executives, using a current event story that actually happened to illustrate to end users why they should be making better decisions, right? Helping them modify their behavior, giving them the why so they can become security champions and begin, you know, spitting cyber evangelical stuff for you to their friends and loved ones. Plus, Ultimately, it helps everybody get safe, right? Also want to give a love and shout out. I see Jess Bishop pushing that. Guys, every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m., Red Siege, Information Security. I, I've gotten to know that group over there. Great group of people. Really, really like those people. Every Wednesday, they run a live 30-minute Zoom call that typically has a, a, a guest who does some really cool stuff. Um, last week, the guest was um, Scarlett Sleuth on LinkedIn and... I mean, on Twitter, excuse me. And she was talking about how she hunts down, um, you know, really, really, you know, deplorable people online who exchange, you know, underage uh, photos of, of underage people. And, you know, like all that she does. And it, it was awesome talking to her. And every Wednesday I try to join. Um, it's really, really a cool thing. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'll drop a link in chat right now. You guys can do that. If you're available at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's worth a check out. It's for red teamers, but it doesn't really feel like it's red team only. Like I'm I'm not a red teamer and I feel welcome there. So go check it out if you're interested. Fixes critical Cloud Foundation RCE bug. On Tuesday, VMware released security updates that fix a critical vulnerability in VMware Cloud Foundation. Cloud Foundation is a hybrid cloud platform for running enterprise apps in private or public environments. The flaw, dubbed CVE-2021-39144, is in the Xtreme open source library and carries a CVSS score of 9.8 out of 10. The bug is particularly nasty because it can be exploited remotely by unauthenticated threat actors in low-complexity attacks. VMware has updated Xtreme to version 1.4.19 to resolve the issue and has also included security patches for end-of-life products. All right, so this is a big one. I'm beginning to think like uh, of CVVS score. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Oh, Matthew, thank you so much for the super chat and the cup of coffee. I will excuse me one second while I take Matthew's uh, super chat and pour it into my cup. Thank you so much, Matthew. All right, guys. Uh, this one, CVS score 9.8, remote code execution, unauthenticated. That's pretty much the worst combination you can think of. Um, it says it's a low complexity attack on top of that, meaning you know you don't have to be lead hacksaw in order to uh, successfully uh, you know execute the exploit. Uh, if guys, if you are running VMware Cloud Foundation, right? This is a this is a, a must fix. Now, what's really weird is, um, this is really weird. So the way CVE naming conventions go, it's CVE, and then the year the vulnerability was discovered, and then you know the unique identifier, which you know don't think of it as sequential because different vendors get their own bucket of numbers and stuff like that. But this is important. So this is in 2021. So I don't know 
if someone has just figured out how to exploit this or if we're seeing exploitation begin to happen. But dude, at this point, you should definitely update to VMware 1.4.19, which I have to imagine has been out for a while. Um, oh, okay, so there, here, this makes more sense. There's a second flaw, uh, 2022. Um, the VMware company, they have you know patches and workarounds for all of this crap. Um, I will, I will be fair though, guys. If if here's the deal: if you're running VMware, you absolutely should verify whether or not this this uh, applies to you. A CVS score of nine point eight is real. Okay, you do not want to get punched in the mouth with this one. All right, remote code, unauthenticated execution. I'm sure it says leads to arbitrary code execution as well, right? Um, does it say that? Get remote, yeah, remote code execution in the context of root, which basically means you you'll be able to run anything you want because you're you're root on the box. You you don't want this one to get punched uh, uh, or exploited. I will tell you this, guys. Sometimes it's not as easy um, to just patch things, right? So like pen testers, you definitely don't ever want to just say in your report like, oh, we found a we found CVS 2021-39144. We got root access on the box. Remediation plan, patch your things. I will invoice you at the end of the month. Now, like you have to be real. Sometimes, you know, it's a critical app. You can't bring it down for maintenance. Sometimes you're running some type of legacy system um, that's, that's coupled with it that will break if you update the VMware. I don't know if that's the case, but the way you find out is by patching and seeing what happens in a test environment, right? Don't just patch in prod. That's another bad move. Don't do it on Friday also. But you need to find out and get a plan in place. If you need more money, then you have to use, use this story to make a case to management on why it's important. Show them the Shodan outputs that people are seeing your stuff. If you have honey pots um, or honey, you know, honey tokens or honey accounts or whatever, make sure that they're in place on this VMware box or made to look like the VMware box just so you can get a vibe on is there anybody jiggling your doorknob, right? I don't know if you're going to be able to check indicators of compromise to see if this exploit has happened. You'd have to check the VMware website. But dude, anytime there's a 9.8 or you know or higher, most times they do 9.8 because they, they leave that extra 0.2 if it's like on fire exploitation, right? Um, throw some dumpster fires into chat here. Right, so I guess that's all I'll say. We talked a little bit about vulnerability management and how you should do it properly. Don't patch on Fridays. That's a standard. If you if you're new to the industry and you don't know about this, don't do it on Friday. Tr just trust me here. Um, and then three, you know, sometimes you guys you can't just patch things. There has to be workarounds. There has to be other creative solutions um, available. Um, just saying, patch it's not going to cut it all the time. Samsung's maintenance mode protects your data during phone repairs. After a successful pilot program Thank in you, Korea, Justin. Samsung is now rolling out maintenance mode to select Galaxy devices globally. The new setting will help protect user data when they physically hand over their phone for servicing. The new mode is available in settings under the Battery and Device Care menu and is enabled upon rebooting the device. The feature creates an auxiliary user account on the device completely isolated from all user-installed apps, stored data, and the file system. Samsung will roll out the new feature gradually throughout 2023, starting with Galaxy S21 and S22 series models running on One UI 5.
All right. So this is a cool idea, maintenance mode. Um, basically, you know, our, our mobile for really, really complicated kid pieces of technology. This is a cool idea. So you need to take it to repair shop or, you know, whatever. Uh, I would assume this is typically for repair shops. You can put it in a special maintenance mode, which is a special user account, which is just authorized to access certain things, not the data on the phone. So they can't, you can't hand your phone over and then they like fix your phone and then go through it to look at pics, steal passwords, look at who your contacts are, read your text messages, right? All these invasion of privacy type things. So I love this idea. I've actually seen this in like luxury cars where there's like a valet mode. So like if you're going to get your car valeted, which I guess luxury car people do, um, you know, the car won't go over 25 miles an hour in valet mode. Um, and like the, the, the stereo won't work in valet mode. So like, you know what I mean? Like basically kind of restricting it down. It's cool. What I will say here is I feel like this is a perfect opportunity. Like anytime you add anything, guys, you're also adding potential attack surface. I would not be surprised if we saw in the next, I don't know, four months, some type of security research talking about how you can use maintenance mode to, you know, like the, there's something wrong with maintenance mode where you can elevate privileges in maintenance mode to easily get root access on the device and move into the data section or how you can use maintenance mode to pull off the data, the private data and like easily, you know, brute force attack it or something like that. Like, like it, this is a user, this is a new user account on the device that you know, it's it's configured to have certain permissions, but that's what security researchers do. They figure out how to exploit these things. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that as some like fun piece of uh, research here in the next four to six months. Stay tuned. CISOs struggle to articulate business impacts of cyber risks. Oh, okay. According to a new <laughs> survey from FTI Consulting, 85% of U.S. CISOs indicated that cybersecurity has gained prominence on the board's agenda over the past 12 months. Additionally, 79% of CISOs feel heightened scrutiny from senior leadership. Unfortunately, 53% say their cybersecurity priorities are not completely aligned with C-suite leadership. Further, 58% of CISOs indicate that they struggle to communicate technical information and cyber risk in a manner that the board and senior leadership can understand. Other notable findings include 82% of CISOs feeling that they need to exaggerate their role to the board, while 46% of CISOs who experience a cyber incident struggled to rebuild trust with leadership afterward. Um, okay. So this is, you know, as, as seemingly simple as this title says, there's a lot here, and I'm not going to have enough time to get into all of it. Uh, I will point out that Alyssa uh, Miller gave a keynote speech at Wildwood Hackenfest around how to properly communicate uh, to the board. Essentially, the, the thesis of our talk was using cyber kill chain to, you know, where the, the objective at the end of the kill chain is to deliver effective messaging to the board. And it involved like researching the board and finding out what resonates with them and all these other things. So if you're interested in, if you're interested in a red team approach to briefing a board as a CISO, which I know I know sounds super niche, but it was a cool talk. Go check out her talk whenever Wild West Hackenfest uh, releases it. But okay, so here's the thing. CISOs struggle to articulate business impacts of cyber risks. Oh my God. So just a couple things I'll, I'll say about this. One, there's two types of CISOs, okay? There's a technical CISO who came up 
technical and you know maybe they have some business acumen maybe maybe they're just the most senior person and the, the most recent CISO left and guess what field promotion you're the CISO because insurance company says we need a CISO or the board says we need a CISO and we can't we can't find one you know whatever so this happens right so you have someone who's super uber technical and very good at their job um, but they can't speak to the business, right? So this this one speaks directly to this one, articulating to the business. Guys, when I say communication is a critical skill, I don't just mean that you're not like that distorted SpongeBob meme where you're like, bark, 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 bark. no, I mean like what you say matters. When you're talking to executives or you're talking to the board, you have like, whatever, five minutes, three slides. Like you have to be incredibly deliberate on what you say, how you say it, what order you say it in, because if you say something that is too complicated or, or it gets them lost or whatever, this is what they do. Mm-hmm. Right? That's one thing. Another pitfall, if you mention something like right off the rip, like, oh, like, like instead of getting right to the meat of it, you like, you mention Hive ransomware, which is already, you already lost them, the board at that point. But if you mention like, oh, Tata Power, you know, Hive ransomware got hit or whatever. But like they might ask you a question right then. And guess what? Your five minute clock is ticking and it's going to get eaten by something that has nothing to do with your agenda. So like it's not just speaking English or speaking the language that the people at the board can can consume. It is being very calculated on what you say, how you say it, when you say it. The other type of CISO is a business CISO. And this is someone who came up and they are really good at managing people. They have a great team underneath them or maybe they don't. Uh, But they, with all due respect, don't fully appreciate what is actually happening under the hood. They can drive a car really well. They can go from A to B, right? They know how to use turn signals and all that crap. Pop the hood, they don't know what's going on, okay? And that's okay. That's okay. That's how a well-oiled machine could work, right? You have mechanics and you have... um, scientists doing testing and the slipstream stuff and you've got a driver everybody's got their job but if you don't know how the things work right and you don't know how to talk to your own team to understand distill and and um you know not bubble up but like 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 uh distill the essence of the messaging from your technical staff which a lot of these business systems don't have then when you go into the board you're, you might as well be sitting on their side of the table because you can't really explain what's happening either. And when they say in this article that they, uh, where is it here? 82% of CISOs claim they feel they need to positively exaggerate the role on the board. Yeah, I mean, some of them are probably doing it because they think everything is rosy anyways. They don't know <laughs> that it's a hot mess on fire. Hold on, where's my doggo? Uh, this is fine. Here we go, throwing this in chat, right? They don't understand that. And the ones that do understand it, you know, they are kind of faced with this challenge of like, you know, you gave me X amount of money and I've, I've used it, but it's really hard to show the value. That's like a whole other thing with CISO life or really working in information security in general. Uh, like, listen, the better I do my job, the less it looks like I'm doing, right? Think about that paradox. The better I am at protecting the organization, the less that's going to happen. From a, from a negative perspective, right? So it's not correlated. It's not like, oh, you know, like I'm guaranteed to have five incidents this year and the more money you give me, the faster, like the faster I'll respond and the less damage it'll have. No, it's like my job is to prevent them from happening at all. And when they do, 
controlling the blast radius. So, you know, it, anyways, like I said, I could go on. I could go on for an hour on this article alone. It is very complicated. Um, it's, you know, it says so life, man. Careful what you wish for. K-8 students learn cybersecurity through gamification. A new, no-cost gamified cyber education platform called Cyber Legends aims to bolster student cyber readiness in K-8 schools across North America. The platform provides young students with engaging, curriculum-based lessons which teach them about passwords, identity theft, scams, phishing, cyberbullying, and social media issues. Teachers are provided with a dashboard showing where students are excelling and where there's room for improvement. The problem-based approach helps develop critical thinking and communication skills relating to student cyber safety. And that does it for today. Hell yeah! You guys kidding me? How like how is it almost the end of October? The almost the end of cybersecurity awareness marketing month, and we're just hearing about this right now. This is fantastic, dude! Free program made by um, people who design for Mattel, Disney, Lucas Films. Um. And it's going to help students with cyber readiness talking about talking about um oh what it mentioned the curriculum about like identity theft cyber bullying all that stuff kindergarten through eighth grade dude i have two children who are in the kindergarten through eighth grade you know segment i would love this i, I it's kind of annoying there isn't a link to it how do how do i get how do i get this let's get some of this cyber legends heck yeah look at this Expect a review on this on Simply Cyber sometime soon. Might even get my uh, my kids to give their own opinion. Of course, they'll have like the black the black rectangles over their eyes. <laughs> but anyways, here I'll drop a link in chat. Uh, this is worth checking out. If you guys got kids, this could be really cool. This could be really cool. Uh, and this is something, frankly, that we need. You know, we're always talking about. You know why? Because we this needs to be baked in from an early age as like normal behavior, right? And if you give kids a PowerPoint presentation, you can imagine what's going to happen. But if you mask it as a video game, which this looks like it's doing it, then they'll be more engaged. They'll follow along. You know, way to go. Whoever Whoever's funding this, probably U.S. taxpayers, good on us. Whoever idea this was, good on you too. This is awesome. So uh, definitely check that out uh, and make that part of the normal thing. So let's do this because we're, we're slightly over time because I lost my mind on two different stories. I didn't even play Simple Minds today. Anyways, I'm running over, guys. I lost my mind about RDP. I lost my mind about CISOs talking to the board. Couple, a couple, tri couple triggering um, stories for me uh, this week. Uh, or today guys so just remember red siege later today uh at 1 30 it's going to be epic i want to remind everybody if you don't know today at 11 30 a.m eastern time so in three hours from now i will be going live again you'll see i'm wearing my blue team shirt i'll be piloting the threat gen red versus blue platform as a blue team operator i'll actually be operating almost not almost i'll be operating as a ciso uh, implementing the NIST cybersecurity framework step-by-step. Step. If you're interested in learning about the, uh, the, the NIST cybersecurity framework, what it looks like, why you implement it, how to implement it, what are the challenges with implementing it, um, come, come hang out with me. You'll see how the threat gen red versus blue portal works. You'll see how it can be used for testing the efficacy of frameworks. 
and how it's a good time video game too. Plus, I'll be playing music. Clint Clint is out this week, so it's just me riding solo. And you know, you know what happens when it's just me. I'm gonna I'm just gonna wrecking ball all over this thing. So it'll be a good time. Uh, I hope you can join us. That's at 11:30 a.m. Eastern time. If you want, just go to www.simplycyber.io/streams. Link in chat. Uh, and that'll take you to the to the upcoming streams. You'll see the red versus blue here. Thank you, Jim Lund, for for uh, <laughs> for the for the vibes. All right, guys. I, I did run over time, but I appreciate you granting me the grace to flip out. I'm going to finish my coffee here. Thanks, Chris Weaver. Thanks, William Ayers. Thanks, Jim Lund. Hey, Edward Mayer. Thank you. Hey, Kimberly. My pleasure. Thanks, Carrie. My pleasure. Alfredo, have a great one. Joel Belton's ice cream in the house. Thanks, Joel. Chris Weaver. Have a great day, everyone. InfoSec Kid, take care. Love it. My pleasure. It's my pleasure, y'all. Good day. Not only IT, be good. I know Chris Weaver. I know you know how to spell it. All right, Dan Reardon. You need a spatula to flip out. That's right. Chinadu, good to see you. It's been a minute, Chinadu. Hey, Jenny Housley, thanks for all you do. Thanks for the squad support. Axiom Brevity, my pleasure. Hey, Ahmed, good to see you. Take care. Take care, Nathan. Bye, Bill Green. Later, Tom Bishop. My pleasure, Marcus. Be good. Have a great day. Crush it, okay? It's Wednesday. We're on hump day. Yeah, see you in three hours, 24-7 machines. Have a great day, Joshua B. All right, Munchkin. I'll keep an eye out for you. All right. Thanks for the squad support, CS7J. Casey Vargas, be good. All right, Dan Catledge, Cyberflower, be good. All right, guys, have a good one. We'll see you in a few hours. Cheers, everybody.